What is your current cloud storage situation, Zach? I can't drive. Have you moved again? Okay. Hmm. How much how much storage do you use? Um, not much actually. I have the two hundred gigabyte plan, and okay. I don't have any problems. Um, okay. I don't know exactly how much I'm using, but I don't like documents. Don't take up that much, and code projects, as I've said many times, do not belong in cloud storage. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have some. Really, I do have I've like never a heard you folder. say that before. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, you, I think I just go back to iCloud Drive too. Yeah, I mean, it seems I moved all my uni stuff over because I think I've said in the past that I was using OneDrive for uni, which was mm -hmm. true. But this year, I actually don't need syncing. Between, I'm not using two Macs for uni stuff this year. So I've just moved it into my documents folder, which happens to be iCloud Drive. But I don't want another process running on my computer that I don't need. Mm -hmm. Also, uni because it's linked to a uni account, because they give you unlimited storage or whatever, they have weird permissions for all your files. So I've got to be really careful to never drop personal stuff in there <laughs> because I know that instantly that's duplicated to a million accounts and a million <laughs> sysadmins at uni can see everything if they so wanted to. Yeah, you should, so, you should use it for encrypted uh, backups. Could actually, because it is, I think, technically unlimited or like a terabyte of storage, something like that. Yeah, uh, I but think I will lose unlimited. that at the end of the year, so it's, it's, it's probably really... not worth being invested. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Do you, they actually you you can continue using that account after? It's not like a alumni perk or something. I don't know. That's a good question, though. I mean, it might still be available for a little bit longer. I'm not sure when they shut off because I guess it would go the time they shut off your email, and I'm not sure when that happens. Because it would be kind of cruel to do that the day you graduate. Usually, you want to have some type of grace period. Oh, some, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's like a, a few months or whatever. Because some universities even have um, like an alumni accounts and those kind of things. Okay. Interesting. Do you know could, if uh, anyone in your university has alumni email accounts? I don't know of them, but I can ask around and see if that's a thing. Because that might if, be cool. If that's the case, you have uh, free lifetime uh, cloud backups. Because <laughs> that's not never a recipe for disaster. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm paying for it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it shouldn't be your primary cloud backup, but one where you don't have to ever thin in backups over time because it's free. Yeah, good point. Wouldn't that I be need nice? to sort my, my the drive I've been using for Time Machine on the topic of backups seems mm -hmm. to be stuffed. I oh, okay. I can never complete a backup anymore. And so I gave up the other week and I wiped it and it still can't complete backups, but it's also still in the process of encrypting the drive. So I'm mm -hmm. going to wait out the encryption thing and mm -hmm. then try a backup. If that doesn't work, then I'm going to have to buy another drive. This is a fairly old hard, hard disk now. So it's probably time anyway. And it's one of those ones that you still need to plug power into. And it's uh, like a 3.5 inch. Yes, it's a terabyte of storage, so it's not huge by today's standards for a spinning disk, uh, mm -hmm. but it's prob probably time to update it, but it's served me well for the last few years. I'd get one of those uh, Samsung T5 SSDs. Okay, yeah. They're, they're just okay. USB uh, 3 SSD or X5 if you have more money to spend. Okay. But you Let's just see. don't have to worry about... I mean. No moving parts is nice. Uh, mm. They're they're way smaller, way lighter than a three point five inch uh, drive, and I think you can get like a terabyte for 
for $150, $200. So it's okay, decent. That's pretty reasonable. Mm. That's probably in the ballpark of what I'd be willing to spend. Yeah, this yeah. has all been on like data storage and stuff. has been something I've been thinking about because of that time machine drive playing up mm. recently. And I bought another year of VPN yesterday. So I'm like all set for data storage and security and all that <laughs> stuff. So that's... Yeah, so actually, you mean you, t- you trust someone else now with your data rather than... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, but for... Um, uh, uh, yes, that is fine. But it's, a, it's not the paid ones. It's it's okay. Yeah, you, you um, give them money for taking your data. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd probably be more inclined to trust that than random Wi-Fi that I end up connecting to around WWDC and things like that. Yeah, I'm always split because I feel like a lot of Wi-Fis are operated by people who probably are technically not capable to do anything harmful with it, <laughs> while the VPN <laughs> But it's not even necessarily the people on... Uh, it's not even necessarily yeah, the, people the people who, who run who the Wi-Fi the hotspot. Same. It's other people, like if you're at an airport or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's people who are on the same yeah. But network. Yeah, I mean, you can also just run a VPN on your local machine and then dial into that. Yeah, like just um, run it yourself. I did have mm. I did have a VPN set up that with my uh, with my home internet because mm-hmm. my router has support for this. It got really fiddly to maintain, and it just got to the point where it wasn't worth it. In what um, way? Because it would always break, and I'd have to I'd have to re because it needed some like login thing, mm-hmm. and oh man, I'm, I this I haven't dealt with this for like a year. This is way in the back of my mind. Mm. Uh, there was some profile or something that it would generate and it seemed like every time I would disconnect, I would then struggle to reconnect and it would be easier to regenerate this. Uh, it's not a pro- I don't know what it's called. Um, VPNs have this thing, like this key thing that you can, I don't know, open in a VPN app and it will set up the connection automatically. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it felt like I was having to do that way too frequently, uh, but that was a good, a uh, nice alternative uh, as a VPN, and it didn't work too well on the Mac either. It was okay, <laughs> okay. on iOS using oh, what's the app? I don't remember off the top of my head. But on the Mac, I couldn't find a client that dealt with it very well. So mm-hmm. anyway, it just became more trouble than it was worth. It's like, eh, I can pay for a VPN, which probably less secure. But again, I'm gonna trust that more. It's a company that's been in business for many, many years. Seems reputable. So mm. I'm using which company did you go me. with? Or- Encrypt okay. Me, or okay. formerly Cloak, which was a way better name, just for the record. Yeah, Encrypt Me is way name. too nerdy. Yeah. But yeah, maybe, maybe sure. they wanted. I mean, for people who are not technically savvy, that might not sound too appealing. I don't know. People might Cloak? exactly. I feel like Cloak is like, a if better pe- name. Yeah, but yeah, if people are not really like in those shielding. circles. Yeah, but it might not be nerdy enough. So I think if people yeah. just hear, "Oh, I need to protect my network. I need a VPN," then it should be in the name, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I prefer Cloak. Yeah, I, I agree. It's pretty good service. Um, and you're definitely really not like a nerd, so you you that's <laughs> that that makes sense. I was very shocked with that name change, though. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really <laughs> easy to Shocking. use. Um, News of the year. I, I set it up when my family travel i set it up on their iphones because there's nothing you need to do it's i can install it pay for a month or whatever for them and then it will connect automatically when they connect to dodgy wi-fi it's really good mm. yeah yeah and that then is really tell nice. them to only do your online banking when it says vpn in the top 
And if it doesn't, everyone likes doing it. online backing on vacation. So. <laughs> Why else would Look, you fly somewhere? <laughs> I mean, realistically, if I was doing something like online banking, I wouldn't connect to Wi-Fi anyway. But mm. still, it's nice to have that assurance that if Wi-Fi was the only situation, then it's good to connect. Um, but also, like another scenario might be something like WWDC Wi-Fi, where there are definitely people in that crowd capable of malicious doing activities if they wanted to. So yeah. it's kind of probably a good thing to just have something in your back pocket that's there to protect. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talking okay. about VPNs really weirdly, but they're cool. <laughs> We're it still works. talking about VPNs, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. We're still talking about VPNs. Anyway, iCloud Drive, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a long, long tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, there was also related news about um, Apple moving over to moving away from AWS and moving more things onto their own cloud storage. Whoa, segue. Look at that segue. Mm. I know. Nice work. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think this is quite interesting that we got some more information about this and actually confirmation that they are building their own data centers. Confirmation? Mm. I don't know. Mm, I mean, nine to five sort of agreed, I guess. <laughs> um, as much of a confirmation as you can. Um, so nine to five is know. basically the Bible for Apple people, <laughs> isn't it? That's how this works. <laughs> if it's not there, it's, it's not happening. Uh, anyways, um, so I think that was quite interesting to hear that um, there were some other people who had been crunching the numbers on that, um, like we did a few we- few weeks ago. And it I, I wouldn't call what we did crunching numbers. It was kind of a <laughs> but even back of the envelope calculation <laughs> is is uh, a too glorious of a name for what we did. But okay, we were thinking about this. <laughs> interesting to see that they are going more and more. More and more into that direction. That seems I mean, I, I would be surprised if, like, just the way Apple works, right? I would be surprised if there's anything Apple relies on third party that they wouldn't want to uh, own themselves uh, at some point. I would be surprised yeah. if there are any kind of larger uh, third party dependencies that they're relying on and they don't have a team on th- mm-hmm. moving away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, talk to uh, Qualcomm about those kind of efforts right it's just mm-hmm. I, I think apple is is i mean they've always been inclined to to control everything and that's why we use usually get pretty good products out of that because yeah i think whatever that's the part apple that we needs, like right yeah. i think it makes sense um if a company that is if a company is that big and they have the resources to control i guess the whole chain it makes sense to do it because that's how you get the product that you want as a company and mm. um, you have more flexibility so that makes sense yeah and i mean there are not a lot of companies that have as much data as apple does uh so it also you know aws only exists because amazon served a lot of data but that is nothing compared to what apple is serving at the like when when amazon started aws they served nothing in comparison to what apple now serves yeah. for their services so it's also you know mm. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would be very surprised if they're not having a lot of teams working on on those mm. and similar projects. Yeah, makes sense. Mm. Uh, so last time we spoke a lot about uh, all the different iOS rumors that have come out, also on Nine to Five Mac. Um, 
<laughs> but we never really got to the other rumors or the other things that have been quote unquote leaking. Um, so are you guys excited about the things we heard about Mac OS and Marzipan? No? I, I am. And there's a few interesting things on Mac OS. Some things in particular I wasn't expecting, but maybe that's a good thing. I think on that note, we should probably start with Siri shortcuts. Okay, this is that something you wouldn't, that you didn't expect? Not this year, no. Okay. So, I'm excited about it because I think shortcuts make a lot of sense on the Mac. And there's a few things that I can do on iOS that I kind of wish could be brought across to the Mac. So, at the moment on iOS, and, and mainly when I talk about shortcuts, so we don't really know if it's going to mean Siri shortcuts or if it's going to mean the shortcuts app. But... Mm-hmm. What I'd mostly be excited about is the the Siri shortcuts because there's a few things on my phone that I'd like to be able to do on my Mac with hey, uh, using Siri. On that, do you do you use Siri on the Mac a lot? Yes, I, I do a bit. I oh, really? use the type to Siri mode because talking to your Mac is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it's really good for for setting reminders and things like that. So oh, just yeah. I have the Siri icon in the top right of my menu bar and. Mm-hmm. When I press it, it's just like, remind me at 10 a.m. to do X, Y, Z. And okay. it's it's super fast. I think it's probably even faster than talking to Siri if I picked up my phone or anything like that, only because there's no need to confirm that it got it correct because, yeah, because I know that I typed yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um, so, that how part's you, really good. How do you get into a typing mode? I'm just looking at it now. I think By it's default. an accessibility setting in oh, okay. your Mac's preferences. Okay. Um, if you type, yeah, that if you search useful. for type to Siri in system preferences, it will show up, which is really good. Okay. Um, and and because like at the moment, if as an as a basic example, if I want to know the weather forecast and I type that into Siri on my Mac, it's going to give me results from the Apple weather data source. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'd like to use some of the shortcuts that I've got set up on iOS or even things like bus times where I have to pick up my phone for those now because, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there are ways to check bus times on the Mac, but none as pleasant as any iOS app can bring. But if you had a shortcut where I could just type to Siri, work to home or whatever I've got set mm-hmm. up for, for the buses and it could show me the times there, I think that would be really nice. And I think that there's hope for this. If, if, this, is, if this is the case and you can use Siri shortcuts on your Mac, I think that there's hope that the app won't need to support Marzipan in order for it to work. I mean, technically, it would be feasible that there is that you trigger a Siri shortcut on a Mac, it asks mm-hmm. your phone for information, then displays it, right? Yes, yes. I think it, there would be ways to do it without needing the app to yeah. support Marzipan, and that's potentially quite exciting. It's sort of like I, using a shortcut on the watch, or like yeah, with yeah, Siri on the watch. Exactly. Exactly, where it does it phones home and haha phones home and <laughs> gets that information and then presents it back to you, which is really handy. And I sort of, I had some expectations, I guess, for shortcuts this year, and I know we've spoken about them before. Do you mean and last year other re- when it came out? Well, sorry, sorry, expectations um, that I for for this year that I thought oh, might okay. be done after we got shortcuts last year. Okay, so. I've mentioned them before, but I'll quickly go over them. So, I think there's the two obvious areas where shortcuts fall down at the moment. One is not accepting any parameters. If you're just using the general shortcuts API, you have to use the intense API and that to get like 
to, to get the ability to input data to the shortcut, but mm-hmm. also to have uh, to be a bit more ambiguous with your phrasing. Whereas if you set up a series shortcut, you have to stick to that exact phrasing yep. every time. Yep. Otherwise, it won't work and you can't input data, blah, blah. So, I think that's first one of the things I was expecting them to fix this year. And the other thing that I am still hoping for is the ability to have shortcuts trigger automatically, whether that be time of day based, location based, things like that, or just like pre-scheduled if you know, mm-hmm. you're going in custom on a particular day or whatever. So, I'm still hopeful that those kind of things happen. But now this has me wondering, has the shortcuts team been working on bringing it to macOS? And maybe that's going to be the new shortcuts feature of for 2.0 or whatever it might be. And we don't get improvements to shortcuts in general. I mean, Maybe we do, and and we get feature improvements as well as a marzipan version. But I was a bit surprised to see that that's what the team was working on, and not more intern, more like feature mm. stuff mm-hmm. iOS. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we could get both. So this by no means means we won't. It's just that's not what I was expecting this year. But I'm happy because I'd be excited, and I would use if there were Siri shortcuts on the Mac. I'd definitely use them. I don't know if I'd use the shortcuts app because I don't use it on iOS. I don't think any of us are using it on iOS. Is that right? No. no. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I I definitely do use the the Siri stuff a bit more. Mm. So, that could be handy. Hmm. Uh, Maybe I should give it a shot again. I I do use (laughs) Siri a lot more with the new AirPods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, That's a good good point. Then you can be like... Hey, order my favorite food. I, just, I, I, I don't know. It might just be the way my brain works. But I really struggle with talking to Siri, and especially if it doesn't feel like a super natural thing to say. So the shortcuts always mm-hmm. always felt like I had to say something in a way that I, I didn't want to remember the exact phrase yeah, to, yeah. to get there. It felt like, a, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it if they would be, loosen that up and be a little bit more flexible in the way you say it, that would be... But I mean, I I think for me, for that to be super useful, you have to be able to um, define default apps. Like on a Mac, you can do that, right? You can say, Mm -hmm. what is your default mail app? And if you then say, uh, read my last email or something, it could, in theory, check, hey, what's your default email? And and now use that that kind of phrase for for the the correct app. Um, But because Siri knows vocabulary about weather, if you ask it for weather, it always defaults to to its built-in weather features. Mm. And to yeah. then use any of the others, you always have to kind of go a bit awkward, different to to trigger trigger those, and I, that just never worked for me. So I think realistically, I do think there is I have a bigger use case for the feature they provide now with being using the AirPods more. Um, with Siri, but I think as long as the the trigger phrases feel awkward, I don't think realistically I will use it. Yeah, so no, that then, that would yeah. be my my feature request to 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 allow those to be more like just even for weather stuff and override which app I mean when I ask for the weather mm-hmm. that would be more in the in the ballpark of what I want. But it doesn't. It, I mean, it's not related really to the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just wishful thing. Yeah. Um, now it's just a wish list. Um, no, but I, I mean, it makes sense that it would continue working on shortcuts because it was so it was pushed quite heavily last year um, at WWDC, and also they acquired a whole team for it. And I think so. Shortcuts team is reasonably sized, right? It would be about would it be like ten people at least when they acquired it? Do you guys remember how big the initial company was that they acquired? I thought it was just six people, but okay, could be wrong. Okay, 
still, like, I feel like there would be something that they done within a year that would be exciting to to present for them. So it makes sense um, that something would come out. So you can maybe your wish list will become true. Kai. Yeah, I just wonder, like, is it how how will Apple treat like in general this all this shortcut stuff? The naming is a bit awkward. Um, yes, very, very tricky to distinguish between <laughs> what a shortcut is and what a Siri shortcut is and yeah. the capabilities between both. And it's really difficult to have a conversation with somebody about it because when you say shortcut, you might mean something different to when mm. somebody you're talking to says shortcut. Yeah, I think even now within our three minutes talking about it, we mangled it two up multiple times already. Um, but I, I just wonder if the, the shortcuts part of shortcuts. Um, <laughs> That's I, an easy way of saying. I realistically don't think it will be bigger than Automator was on a Mac before. Um, in it, by which I mean, there are some people who who really love it and who get a what? lot. Of Sorry, what use was out Automator? Of it. Basically, shortcuts for for macOS. Okay, in, third, this was a third party app. No, 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 that was from Apple. Okay, but it's not available anymore. It is still available. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so why would they need to add shortcuts then if something like Automator is still available? I guess I, it's more... It, shortcuts would be a more user-friendly way to automate things yeah. than using okay. Automator. Um, I haven't... Oh, so Automator is more like... Is that more like something you write yourself? It's not actually having an interface? No, 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 no. Automator... Uh, Automator on Mac. Welcome to Automator I, on Mac. Yeah. You, oh, this one. Oh, I never realized this was from Apple. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So this it is it definitely feels like an like shortcuts. I, I I would be surprised if shortcuts wasn't heavily influenced by mm-hmm. Automator on Mac yeah. because it's a very similar concept of having applications and they they expose actions and then you can uh, put together your own kind of workflow. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, I think Automator even calls it drag uh, uh, build your own workflows. So definitely script your own actions is what they say officially here. Okay. Um, either way, um, I I would just be surprised if yeah I don't know if Apple would want to uh, double and triple down on that because I I think it is it is useful for people who want to use it and those people already use it and what's probably growing, mm-hmm. but I, I I would be surprised if that become or stays a big focus long term for Apple as a as a feature that to push for everyone. I feel like the Siri intense in that direction yeah. to me makes more sense because then you get more of the actual Siri AI part and you build your workflows if you have something in mind you want to solve that you can solve in any other way at the moment. Yep. But we'll see. But um, apart from that, uh, I was I was a lot more excited about the screen time uh, rumor. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Like This makes sense. And I think, again, we sort of spoke about this a very long time ago uh, when screen time first mm-hmm. came out for the iOS. Uh, for iOS, I feel like all of us sort of felt like, yeah, this is good, but we're not getting a complete view of what we're doing. And yeah. if you are a person who want to use something like time tracking and check which apps you're using when and how much time you spend on social media throughout the day where you're actually sitting at a computer, which realistically most of us do, all day so <laughs> sitting at a computer checking social media <laughs> no, no, what i mean is most of us have a computer in front of us and not a not an ios device at mm-hmm. the moment so it's good to see how productive you are on a daily basis and if you do tend to go to certain websites or certain social media apps uh, to check those out midday it would be really good to track those things um 
And maybe you can also, I mean, this is probably not going to happen in this situation, but maybe there could be more time tracking type of reporting to actually see like what, what you're doing, like when, when you're working, like how much do you use something like Xcode? How much do you use, um, something like Tower or something like, uh, like a design app or something like that? And I think that would be quite interesting. Mm. I think that would be a good insight. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, for me, uh, my iOS usage went down over time. Um, just because be- of, um, you mean because of screen time at all? No. No, no. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I felt like I'm using my phone less and screen time confirmed that. Okay. So, uh, mm-hmm. so far, How at least... How you started using it less? I mean, at least it confirmed that I'm not going insane. It's actually <laughs> decreasing the amount of time it felt like it's decreasing. Uh, why I'm using my phone less? Mm. I'm, I'm, it's mostly related to... Um, there are multiple things. I stopped using Twitter uh, for... Or I stopped... I I I never really I I downloaded my Twitter archive recently <laughs> and saw that I used Twitter a lot more as a active contributor I don't know like in 2013 and after that it kind of dropped quite quite drastically hmm. um but I still read Twitter a lot and I I really enjoyed using Tweetbot to to complete my timeline um not mm-hmm. too long ago and when I stopped doing that my my iPhone usage just went down quite a lot okay. um and then also I'm not a huge fan of of the phone size that we're having at the moment so uh, mm. or or rather my hands are not a big fan of uh having a phone that doesn't fit in them yeah see apple saves people from our side every day <laughs> see i've had the opposite this is tangentially related but <laughs> i have the opposite thought where the phone is large enough that it's really annoying when it's in my pocket. So like if I'm on the bus, it's <laughs> more convenient. Have to, <laughs> yeah, I have to like, look at Twitter. <laughs> I, I've no no, I find I've been holding it in my hands more while I'm on the okay. and I really don't right. like that because really? it feels it feels a bit compulsive. Like to you know, I don't want to be one of those people who's like always got their phone in their hand when they're not using it because mm-hmm. it just feels like that's probably not healthy and I don't know, mm-hmm. there's probably something going on where it like in your brain. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that's not get too deep. But yeah, I find that, like it's just the phone is slightly like too large to be comfortable and like I can put it in a bag. That's the other thing. But then if I do have to respond to a message, it's a lot of work to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm finding it's just, it's just really awkward. And again, like I am excited to get a new phone at the end of the year, but I'm not excited for one that is slightly bigger. When I had mm-hmm. an iPhone 5S... It was, and I know a lot of people look back now and say, oh, Apple's focus on thinness and lightness did them no justice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've we've definitely moved away from that. But I disagree. When I had the 5S, which I believe was the thinnest, no, maybe not the thinnest iPhone, but definitely the lightest iPhone. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know where it sits on the thinner scale. I never felt it. It just, it could disappear type of thing. Um, could put it somewhere <laughs> mm-hmm. and like just would forget that it's on you and that's a really good thing whereas now mm-hmm. I think a phone it's large enough that it, it's physically demanding your attention it's not just the grab of notifications and things like that but I can feel okay. it in my pocket and I don't know maybe mm, I'm being really fussy but it's no, just it's not interesting. I do wonder if people thing. if people get that sort of feeling that they sh- if people have more of an urge to actually check their phone when they're more conscious about that fact that they do carry it with them Quite so possibly, it would be interesting yeah. to see how, how the correlation is there uh, mm-hmm. maybe larger phones actually make people look at them more i, would, or I wouldn't if be you surprised hold it in your hand. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, and I guess once you, then once you start using it, it is more absorbing. If you have a larger phone, it's easier to become more focused on this because it's, because it's larger and things like yeah. that. I don't know. There's probably something there that I don't understand, but yeah, yeah for it's, me, it's for me, it's really the opposite. I, I just, <laughs> because it's, it's larger than my hands, it's never comfortable. Like if I'm, <clears> if I'm walking somewhere and I just want to check something with, uh, having my phone in one hand, it's not comfortable. In two hands, yep. it doesn't really. Yeah, like I don't like walking and holding my phone in one hand and checking it mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. I feel it feels a bit risky. Like it, I feel, I'm yeah. worried that I will drop it. And mm-hmm. the the rounded the rounded corners and obviously the stainless steel just mm-hmm. doesn't really help with having a good grip on the device either. So mm-hmm. I always feel like I I I hold it like. I have more tension in my hand because I'm I'm trying to not drop the phone so i'm like i i I often go with the second hand kind of even if i wouldn't need to need the second hand to reach i just hold it because i i feel like i'm not getting a good grip uh just with one hand and just it's not a pleasant for me i mean uh, there there are other people who really love their iphone 10 and 10s but -hmm. for me just not a device that i enjoy holding and using and therefore um I'm I'm using it less when I'm walking around. I'm using it less when I'm at home, or I try to not use it at all when I'm at home. And it's yeah. it's yeah, it kind of it's a shame. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, like it, it is uh, like because it doesn't really make sense for you to. Uh, maybe you will end up buying a new phone when it comes out, but it doesn't I, I really will. make yeah. sense to update. As, but especially for you, Kai, if you feel like you're not using this phone anymore. Uh, I mean, I still use it as a camera a lot. Yeah. And that is what the main purpose of it is at the moment. Yeah. It's It's still still a bit unnecessary and you may as well buy a good camera. Yeah, but a good camera... The thing is, it's still a compromise between... It is a device that that is having a network connection, which is super useful Mm -hmm. sometimes. I mean... It's not. I'm. I'm probably not using that internet connection every day, but whenever I do, it's it's super useful to have. I'm. I'm happy when we when we go for a hike to have a yeah. device with me. Yeah, but me. then you you don't have to upgrade when it when a new one comes out this year. Yeah, let's see what what happens <laughs> with the camera. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. Like maybe maybe like I'm the same. I feel like I upgrade um, every year because I like having the latest phone and i like the new features but realistically i use my phone less as well uh lately because i'm not using social media as much and i'm trying to stay away from like if i read something i'd rather read on my computer because it's better for my neck but i wonder if it might not make sense to upgrade because like if 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 they're they're not a significant change and if you know that you're not even happy to use it it might be better to just go ahead and buy a more expensive or like a a better camera i probably mm. I probably like it less as a as a phone and a uh, app computer. <laughs> Weird oh, an it. app computer. Yep. Um, uh-huh. But I I do enjoy it more as a camera. Like the camera is okay. super fast. Okay. I, I enjoy the. Pictures I mean, it that makes sense to have a bigger screen for, and, and yeah. the chips. And also, um, you see a nice photo. On, yeah, larger on that viewfinder. It's yeah. In if you hold it in landscape. In two hands, you also lose most of the discomfort from holding it that way. So that's that's good. Um, I mean, the cam- it's just a decent camera overall, and it still fits in my pocket. So I, I feel like that is probably my my camera uh, usage is going up over time. But that is probably the main thing that goes up while everything else is going down yeah. in in usage time. And I'm I'm I think I'm okay with that. Okay. 
Um, I, I, if I could have, I mean, my, my ideal phone would be the size of an iPhone 5S or SE, mm -hmm. um, with the, within full screen display with a notch and, uh, straight edges, maybe even, even just straight edges again. Yeah, I would, would really get... like that. I feel like that's going to give you so much more grip mm. and more stability. Like, also, you're it, not gonna it have removes it. some width. That might have helped. Oh yeah, that's true. Reaching more parts of the screen more comfortably. Yeah. So I, I wonder. I mean, I think there are a whole bunch of options. It doesn't necessarily yeah. need to get smaller if it becomes easier to or more comfortable to hold in your hand. It's weird because I feel like if you look at the old phone when it was was it the SE? No, I mean the four up till the SE were all mm -hmm. like all have really sharp edges, and it doesn't mm -hmm. look like that should be something that's more comfortable than round edges because it should like hurt like cut into your fingers almost but uh, like i honestly feel like that was so much more secure and it it really felt like you had a grip around it mm. i really missed that design yeah it didn't feel I as agree. nice as if you would like if you uh drag your finger uh, across the entire device yeah this this generation phone feels better than any other but that's before. not what you should, <laughs> should but, optimize for yeah like if if someone puts the phone in your on mm. your hand it feels nicer it's like all yeah. smooth and and it looks a bit more elegant rather than edgy i yeah. guess um <laughs> oh. see what you did there um but i mean that's what the new ipad is so hopefully this is a new design fact design form factor that they are embracing and uh, yeah maybe incorporate in, I uh, in yeah, iphones I think we, too we probably will get back to the uh more rectangular shaped phones mm. it's just a matter of whether that's this year or next i don't know yeah I mean, so many software uh, rumors to keep up with. I haven't even thought about <laughs> new phones yet from, yeah. a, from what they could be perspective. Mm. But. Mm. but yeah, I think there are multiple things that can get me back to enjoying using the phone more. At the moment, it's just I don't and therefore use it less. So I feel like that okay. is does my, my perception and it goes in line with uh, usage time dropping over time. But that mm. also means uh, macOS screen time is becoming more and more important for me. Yeah. Uh, because I do <laughs> more and more things on topic. that. <laughs> yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. nice. No, I'm, I'm excited uh, about it. I stopped. So I think last time we mentioned Mac screen time or the possibility mm -hmm. of it, I was saying I was using rescue time, which mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. since stopped using. Um, I cool. found that I'd settled into a pretty comfortable routine like there were no major issues that i needed to address with okay time spent in certain apps or whatever and then i was just thinking like it's then one less place where i'm storing data that or mm -hmm. where there is a, a data set about me so i did the whole download the data and get them to delete the uh, copy of your data on their end and then you picked up your tinfoil hat and went back to <laughs> your computer <laughs> it's got it's got every like their data is every time you change the window with a timestamp, how long you spent. It's it's very detailed. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're um, right. I mean, it's I, every I do website. Mm. It's yeah. If you switch yeah, to Twitter for three oh, okay. seconds, so it even, logs that. It's not even like web browsing in general. It actually looks which website you go to. That's right. Yes. Okay. It's, okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of data there, and it's like well, and I think I got a lot out of rescue time and I'm very glad I used it for a couple of years, but I was at a point where I was mostly okay with the the figures it was giving me. I wasn't willing to pay for the premium version because again, like I, I feel like I got what I needed out of the, the free version. And so I was kind of stuck at this point where it's like, well, I either get rid of it or I start paying and use it properly. And with the potential of, screen time on the Mac coming wasn't sure whether it'd be this year or next year I thought 
I'll, I'm happy to wait until then. Hmm. And did yeah. it by any chance like slow down your computer at all if you had this turned on? Not noticeably. No, it never. It was never up there in activity monitor as a as a high. Okay. Um, like as a CPU intensive thing. It's okay. I think it's just yeah, writing just to plists or something. But mm. okay. Um, and it's probably batching and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. It's it was good. I'm, I'm glad I used it, but. I am looking forward to screen time on the Mac now to get so and, and to have. I imagine there would be some way to have a report that's shared amongst iOS and macOS, and that yeah, could be that's what I a think really too. good way. To, do you think? Just yeah, just to have it in one place makes sense, and mm-hmm. I think it would be great if they could also detect that things that apps are the same. Like even if you use two different Twitter mm. clients, it would be yeah. great if that could be yep. combined into one category. I um, imagine that would be very easy for Marzipan apps. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I'm sure they'd share a bundle identifier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, Marzipan comes here saving the world, making <laughs> it better for everyone. But if you're an iOS developer and you have your iPhone screen on at the same time as your Mac screen, you're going to get inflated statistics like oh you spent 37 <laughs> hours in front of a screen today uh, yeah my my screen time on ios has been blown way out lately on ios because i'm using mm. my phone for a lot of That's stuff at device. work so the screen might be mm. on for like five hours a day oh, and oh. it's like it's it's work related so it's not a problem but then i'll get the report and it's like oh you spent eight hours a day on your phone it's like, oh great <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's not that's not great. Yeah, no. I, I get the same, but especially <laughs> when you're running uh, the app through Xcode. Yeah, because the screen is it seems to be less inclined to turn off as well when it's plugged in and all of that. Uh, so mm. I think if you're if you're running things through Xcode, it doesn't turn off at all. What oh, does okay. it log that it as then? If you run it through Xcode, does that log it as viewing the app that you run through Xcode? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I imagine so. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like having separate test devices because it's really beneficial if you have something like user accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a lot easier to to test things on a separate phone. But yeah, mm, no, that's a right. bit of a everyone. I think that's a bit of a luxury. I don't think you should keep all your devices around. I think for a while there, there were many developers that justified why they keep all their devices around because they thought in mm-hmm. case like it's good in case they need it. But I think. Nowadays, there are very few things that I see being necessary to even test on a device. It's like mm-hmm. you can often just use the simulator for things. So yeah. I think I think that's like good enough. It's just knowing that that skews your your statistics. So maybe mm-hmm. it would be cool if you could like exclude certain apps in the future of screen of screen time. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting. Mm. Um, anyway, cool. Mm. What else is coming yeah. in Mac OS? Watch Auth. Does anyone want to talk about this? Yes. One? Anyone excited for this one? None of us are using Touch Bar Max, so <laughs> it's actually it's actually going to be quite relevant for us. So, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think about what are the things that a the Touch Bar or the Touch ID on a Mac does that you can do on your computer at the moment without it. So unlocking the Mac, you can do with your watch. That's mm-hmm. already guess, there. Uh, keychain Apple unlock? Pay, you can already do keychain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. One password. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Third party apps. The, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is third party integrated already. Mm-hmm. Isn't? That's the good. Tu- sorry, the touch ID the, on the Mac is, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be really nice if you could do watch as well. My big concern with it is that then 
I mean, if you're if you're thinking about this from a security perspective, your biggest weakness is sort of or so your weakness from a security perspective is like the easiest way into your account. And if you have an Apple Watch with a four digit pin code to unlock, mm-hmm. then that's all somebody needs to then unlock your Mac, get into your one password and cause havoc. And yes, mm-hmm. I get that there's the um there's the aspect to it where you need physical access to the Apple Watch and the Mac, you can't do one without the other. So there is that physical element, but also then that code, like the the passcode element. But still, it kind of concerns I mean, yeah. me. Then I'm, I think if this was to change, then I would look at increasing the security on my Apple Watch. I don't know what you can go up to, but even a six-digit yeah, pin would be a lot better. Is that something you can do at the moment on the Apple Watch? Can you change that? Uh, can you have more than four digits? It's a great question. I'm going to have a quick Because it would look. be... I know that on the iPhone, you can always set um, an actual passco- pass- password rather than a passcode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it could be cool to do something like that, but that's realistically... <laughs> a bit awkward. Realistically Just a bit say awkward. your password. <laughs> Use Siri to unlock your, your watch. You can do the, a sketch pad. Yeah. Just to draw it. <laughs> it takes you like 12 hours to get into your watch. <laughs> we recommend you having morning. a 12-character password. Mm. Yeah. Um, it so I just tried to change my passcode. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Wait, you can turn off simple passcode, and okay. then I'm going to see what the options are if you don't use simple passcode. Oh, it looks like you can do any amount of numbers. That's actually really good. Okay. So you could have mm. a ten-digit watch unlock code, which I think is a lot more secure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'd be I'd be much happier um, than increasing that limit. Sorry, increasing yeah. that um, number. Mm. Yep. But I think in general, your watch uh, pin code is more secure than your iPhone pin code would have been before there was Touch ID and Face ID, just because you usually don't uh, put that code in in public as often. Mm. It's yes. usually no, a, you put it in once in the morning, and because that's a that's the problem with the with a pin code usually, right? It's not really the brute forcing. I mean, in certain cir- circumstances, that might be also a problem. But it's just if you, it's so oh, it's easy, so to, easy just to look accidentally, yeah. Like, yeah. especially people that have, like, four-digit passcodes, you just accidentally see them putting it in or it's it's, yeah, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard to avoid sometimes. To, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's so many, there are so many times where on the bus, I'll see somebody sort of in the seat in front of me putting their code. And it's like, if I was paying attention, I probably could have looked at mm. what that code was. Yeah, I almost feel a bit guilty. Crazy. Like, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, I might be able to see their code. I have to look somewhere <laughs> else now. Yeah. Because like, I feel like it's my fault for seeing their code, but mm. it's I feel like they, they should be using Touch ID or Face ID, though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. is there anything else? So, Apple Pay, we already have. Um, are you using that? Like, using Apple Pay with your watch there, when nah, buying there things? There are so the few websites where I am using Apple Pay to pay for things. Okay. I mean, if, if I do have the option... Uh, sometimes I'll do the watch. I think you can also confirm on the phone. So if my phone is next to me, then I'll just pick that up instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, it is handy, but I probably only use it a handful of times a year. So it's not a major okay. concern. I, okay. I use it relatively frequently. It's a bit slow, nice. but otherwise... Which website nice. do you use this on? Uh, just pre-ordering coffee beans, like a uh, bag okay. of coffee beans for pickup for moving okay. coffee. They, they have Apple Pay support. Oh, um, nice. A whole bunch of online Good stores. Good excuse to buy coffee beans. I yeah. know. <laughs> um, there's a problem because uh, here in Canada, we have something similar to uh, FPOS cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Interact. Uh, and Interact cards or debit cards, therefore, are not supported for Apple Pay online transactions. Okay. 
So I always have to use my Australian card. So credit cards are, but uh, debit card are, are not supported in Canada for online transactions, which is a bit annoying. But I mean, we're getting credit cards now, so it shouldn't be a big problem anymore. But that was that was the biggest uh, thing that kept me away from using Apple Pay online mm-hmm. because I didn't want to use uh, yeah Australian cards for my Canadian transactions. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then third party, anything else? What else is there that Touch ID uses? I mean, you can do things, and, and these are not system supported, but you can do things like uh, authorizing sudo in terminal okay. with Touch ID. Um, okay. There's certain ways to enable that. So I imagine that it would also be possible to then transition that to this watch authentication or however that works, which is kind of cool. Did it say in the article whether it's, Similar to Apple Pay, where you double tap something, or is it just because you happen to wear your watch and you close it automatically? I don't remember reading. I don't remember reading implementation details. It was more okay, just that it will be possible. I think for some things, it would definitely make sense to confirm. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, for for most of these things that we're talking about, it would make sense. Yeah, to confirm. probably. I mean, watch un- watch unlock your. It makes sense, I think, the way it is now where it just sort of happens if you actively open your Mac. But mm-hmm. a lot of these things, like, you don't want to... Someone sitting next to you, you don't want them to be able to unlock your one password vault mm. if you're wearing your watch type of thing. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I do I do really like how the watch unlocks. Sorry, it gives you a, a subtle tap when your Mac unlocks mm-hmm. as a result of, of using yeah, it. it because it is nice. Mm, that's caught because- me out a few times where my Mac has unlocked without me realizing so i must have mm. bumped a mouse or something mm-hmm. and it's like oh i didn't mean to do that i can then walk over yeah. and lock it as it's meant to be but mm. yeah i really like that yeah um, definitely good security i yeah i i, I do um, do you guys think that because uh, if if this is something that apple is focusing on um, and if they are putting so much work into using apple watch to unlock things do you think that means that there's not going to be something like face id on the mac anytime soon because I do feel like if that would be something coming out soon, that would be quite, uh, that would basically take over this because there are very few, few pieces, people who can't unlock with their faces, but they do have a watch. So it makes sense to focus on that. P- people hold on to their Macs for a long time. And at the moment, there are a lot of iMacs, iMac Pros, MacBook Pros without touch bar, those kind of, there are a lot of those Macs out in the world. And for, if, if they were to do, Face ID unlock on yeah. Macs. At yeah. first, it would probably just be on the premium, like the high-end Macs. That's true. Uh, kind of like touch the touch bar is now. Yeah. So, I think this so, is a nice uh, middle ground for either people who aren't buying the high-end Macs or while, mm. it takes, while it takes time for the rest of the market to slowly upgrade their Macs. And, you yeah. know, it might take, I don't know, I'm just spitballing numbers here, but it might take three years before 30% of Mac customers yeah. have a Mac yeah. with Face ID. So, I think yeah, there's still right. value in... Doing something like this for um, that that sort of short term, and then also yep. it could, I mean, it, it could be a way to sell more Apple Watches as well. Yeah, yeah, like, and I think it could also potentially be. I wonder what the numbers would be. I feel like there's, it's more likely that someone would have a watch that you could use watch to unlock with, um, rather than them being a do for an upgrade. So mm-hmm. I think yep. you're right with that. I think it's better to roll it out now for people with watches. Yeah. Um, and and it could go so far as in the future to be, I, I don't think, let's say, five years down the line, and let's assume 
you know, a good portion of the market has a, a Mac you can unlock with biometrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a nice way to do two factor anyway on the Mac. So there might become certain things where, let's say, for example, opening or unlocking one password mm-hmm. where it might scan your face and then you can optionally ask for it to also verify that your watch is nearby. Mm-hmm. So you might need that multi-step, mm. you know, something you you have physically, and then something you are like that type of thing before you can do certain things. And and I don't know, that could be a, a way they see um, mm. a way they see security going in but the I next few think, years. Yeah, I just feel like Face ID is a lot more secure than something like an, like a watch. So I wonder right. if that's but something. But if you if you combine them together, yeah then you get something that's it's at, at the very worst it's not less secure and yeah, yeah. in best case like a, it is more secure yeah it could also be a backup if it can't detect your face and can't read your face um mm-hmm. with face id um it might just be something like instead of having a passcode backup they have their watch to unlock backup yeah i mean there are definitely use cases for it this would be really nice yeah yeah so i i don't think i think Investing in that feature now no, no. won't go to waste no. in five years' time. Yeah, I would really like it. I think um, it would. I mean, it's not taking long to unlock things right now. It's not a big problem, but it's just so smooth to just open your Mac and then, or for UK, uh, click a button on your keyboard and then it's just unlocked. Yeah, I agree. I and it is also really... more secure because, again, like if somebody really wanted to, they could probably watch you type your passcode. And now, hopefully, Mac passcode is long enough that yeah. it would be very difficult for someone to follow. But if somebody really wanted to look over your shoulder, they absolutely mm-hmm. could do that. There's nothing and you're stopping you're constantly them. in environments where there are tens of cameras pointing in your direction anyway. So, if someone would be very interested in your mm-hmm. pass- password, yeah. Yeah. they could probably just see any kind of camera there was mm-hmm. within. What environments are you sitting in? I mean, offices buses, often have cameras offices, buses have cameras unis, yeah, yeah coffee shops like a lot of places have cameras yeah, yeah. it wouldn't it's be very just, difficult i don't think to record somebody typing in their password if you so if you like <laughs> if you were so inclined <laughs> i don't think it would be difficult yeah no. i agree mm. um, i'm always yeah, a bit I, cautious whenever i have to enter a passcode for mm-hmm. anything on the bus i mm. i won't do it on ios because it got, it does give the little letter previews so if somebody yeah, was yeah, looking yeah. over my shoulder be very obvious mm-hmm. uh, and on the mac i am really cautious about when i do it and i'm sure <laughs> I mean, i'm sure I'm, i've entered passcodes in situations where somebody could look over my shoulder but yeah i try not I, to i mean i'm in general a bit but wait I, I even close the blinds because the if you enter passwords on on the tv uh, oh. your neighbors can just uh, look into your oh, window yeah, to get your password. That's a good point. So I, always <laughs> close to- I, I mean, I sound. I mean, this sounds like a weird thing to do, but it does make so much sense to do this. Yeah, and I, you thought I, I was tinfoil hat for getting rid of rescue time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I don't know. I, want, I don't want to put in a Netflix password uh, right next to. A- yeah, that's the worst thing that they could steal. Yep. I mean, like. Again, Netflix is not the password I would be most concerned no, about. No. Well, <laughs> get your priorities straight. Could you use your iPhone, though, to do the autocomplete yeah, and Apple yeah, TV? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that uh, whenever possible. But, yeah. I'm, but, for yeah, like, but we do it for something like PlayStation login, exactly. which doesn't have it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there are like other things that we're using yeah. on the TV. And, and it's PlayStation sometimes even would for actually purchasing have, stuff. Yeah, like you put yeah. in your credit card details okay. and those kind of things. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm quite... I mean... A Vancouver skyline you'll see uh, 
in not too full of far glass, future. Glass buildings. Yeah, most <laughs> Vancouver has a nice view in almost any direction, and therefore most of our buildings are just glass buildings. So all the apartments have have glass, uh, huge glass windows in all directions. Mm. So with it's palm also, trees sticking out. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, so it's also a, a city that's particularly easy to exploit your neighbor's password. In. <laughs> if you're so inclined, is that so why you inclined. move there, Kai? Yeah, if, that, <laughs> if that's if that's your kind of if that's your cup of tea, Vancouver is your your city to be. <laughs> so speaking of palm trees, should I do some kind of creative take a photo of every palm tree I see in Vancouver and then make a nice photo album? Yeah, an of Instagram it? account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they're like palm, palm trees, trees of Vancouver. Of Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually there's, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many palm trees, though. I don't know if you... You're, you're going to be busy. You wouldn't get to anything else that week. But... Yeah, hello? I think you should go for it. I've just downloaded it. I think you're committed. Oh, Ooh, okay. I, wow. I have to get the account before we publish the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to use it, but it needs to exist. <laughs> mm. Oh, I um, feel dirty putting a... F- no, I'm putting a Facebook app on my... F- no, no, cancel. Okay, I canceled the I'm download. Doing- <laughs> You can, on, you can just sign yeah, up on I the d- website. Yeah, I just want the, ca- the account. I might sign up on the web and then yep. decide if I want to use it later on. Yeah. Mm. This is a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, Publish we're, everything we're, from incognito mode with my VPN on <laughs> and then destroy my laptop in a fire after I publish <laughs> and never visit the web page. <laughs> or yeah. I could go back to 2008 and create a Tumblr. <laughs> I actually like that idea. <laughs> the, the Tumblr app probably has a Facebook SDK built in. Oh, I'm sure it does. Every app has a Facebook SDK built in. I mean, there's, in. Oh, there seems to be more and more the... people moving away from that now. So that's... Yeah, did you see the tweet this week from Curtis Herbert, the guy who makes the Slopes app, where he posted a screenshot of his app's release notes, and it was literally just, this update removes the Facebook SDK. <laughs> uh, I was never using it to do anything creepy. We just needed it to... Um, because it helps with Instagram advertisements. Oh, it's so but then annoying. He's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, but then he's like, I decided it's not worth it and your privacy is worth more than that, so I got rid mm-hmm. of it. And then that got a bit of positive attention online this week, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really good, and I think more developers should seriously consider whether they need those kind of SDKs and whether the benefits that those SDKs provide are outweighed by, well, giving your users information to Facebook. Mm. Yep. Been there doesn't have a single line of code that I didn't write. Good job. So, and it's so. also like three <laughs> megabytes, which is really nice to do uh, to download updates for. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I I mean in general, I'm I'm a big fan, obviously, of of not uh, adding a whole bunch of weird. I mean, even just for um, what is it, Firebase? They by default swizzle uh, oh, it's almost the worst. every single. <laughs> Thing in the it operating the system, worst. and it's just sometimes <laughs> creates weird issues that you're like that you can't replicate uh, until like I don't know. It's just it's just a mess. I don't want to deal with that. Um, realistically, I think people can make really good apps if they just get a bunch of people together with decent taste in in applications. Then you can just get a good good app together you don't need to uh have i I think most people don't need as many analytics as they think they do Mm -hmm. um similar things for a b testing probably don't want to get into that (laughs) this Um, is a very different conversation yep (laughs) but (laughs) But you have to decide what shade of blue so i i see yeah yeah let's let's run a one-year experiment to figure out which shade of blue we want to use for this button (laughs) um so i i think in general it's it's a good good idea to move away 
from that because that that is a way of of shaping our our industry into a slightly less uh, creepy weird place. Yep. Yep. I agree. And I think most people wouldn't give up really anything by by removing uh, Firebase and Google SDK like yeah. things. Yeah. And I, I mean, can't wait to start using Marzipan apps that have Firebase and Facebook SDKs <laughs> in there. Oh yeah. Oh. So exciting. Yeah. But that also actually could be a major privacy concern because mm-hmm. on the Mac obviously things are I, I know there I know things would still be sandboxed, but your Mac is open more of the time. Mm. There is mm-hmm. more information to attribute like your your desktop search history can then mm. be tied to that Marzipan app that might be open that has a Google SDK in there. And then it's just I'd this whole... I'd still be surprised cycle. if Apple doesn't enforce more rules about uh, analytics. Oh, it's got uh, to be coming, right? It's got I mean, to be coming. It's yeah. just... I mean, yeah. yeah. Could it be this year, could be next so year. so clearly the time for that right now. Yeah, it would 100%. Be I think they're, they're focusing so much like in advertisement and like uh, just from their own software on having privacy and providing... Mm-hmm. Um, like not, not actually using people's user data for anything malicious. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it makes so much sense that they would provide something like a framework for third-party developers to actually be able to track things easier without having to rely on third-party and libraries. That's, that's the key. They need some kind of... Of replacement yeah. or some kind yeah. of alternative they can't just yeah. say we're going to have a blanket ban or we're going to have really strict rules on what third-party I mean, SDKs could. can do well they could think, but that, that, we would, wouldn't that wouldn't have slide an iphone anymore if if apple would say that things yeah, would still work yeah. like yep. people would still use devices i just don't people think would that's still the solution it's not how many companies you've worked yeah. out would be happy with that <laughs> i mean but they don't have any other options that's the thing if apple would do that nothing you know what are the downsides for for apple like people that make iOS apps can no longer use creepy analytics, but and but you might have certain companies deciding to not develop yeah, iOS might, apps or to yeah. not invest as much in their iOS app and direct people towards the open web because mm-hmm. they can still do the tracking there. Yeah, but even that becomes harder, and probably I mean if we if you look at all the WebKit stuff, even there is more and more uh, stuff built in to stop tracking yep. and. I mean, we're in heading general, in the right direction, but I think I think there's a market for ethical analytics. And the thing I is, agree. analytics yep. are actually really expensive to provide as a service. So mm-hmm. it's perfect for someone like Apple, a platform owner, where they they can I say lose money, but Apple makes money as a whole from the App Store. Like this feature can sort of be a loss leader for them mm. um, in order to sort of meet a need, meet a demand, and then for the like for the better of the like the iOS and users. I mean, d- d- there is Apple already has analytics. They're just not very mm, detailed, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's that's not, not going to slide. No, but yeah. it's not like yeah. Apple isn't already doing things around that. It just needs to mm-hmm. get better. Like most yes. services Apple provides, it, yeah, they're getting yeah. better over time. I it's just, just analytics like... didn't get a lot of love uh, recently, like in the last few updates. But, but it I feels like something that would make sense to do quite soon because, like you said, it hasn't been out for a while and. Um, if Apple wants to focus on services, this is actually something they could charge extra for from developers. Mm. So I think it could be really good. And I sure they could just ban the other analytics libraries, but I don't know. Then I mean, people can always roll out their own things as well. So 
And yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that the best strategy is to ban it and not do anything no, about it. No. I'm just saying I just think it makes maybe sense. maybe banning and not doing anything about it is a better option than letting letting mm. con- le- yeah. continuing what's happening on the on Apple's platform, especially considering that Apple's saying we're super secure and private yeah. privacy focused, yeah. and then it's like yeah, and then you open obviously the app because people use apps on their phone and that app just collects all the data mm-hmm. in the world and sends it to whatever service they want it's like well things you know that yeah, that, no, that slogan yeah, what happens really, on your phone stays on your phone only applies if you never use any third party app <laughs> and uh, i agree that that would be a better solution than doing nothing but i i don't think as a as a business move it makes any sense to come out yeah. and and make or enforce rules like that without having an alternative I agree. It yeah. makes way more sense that way. And it will also make, like, in general, it will be <laughs> make for a much nicer transition. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it's not going to be outraged. It's rather going to be, uh, like, people are rather going to be happy and quite sad, mm-hmm. quite happy to try this out. I know, like, big corporations will probably be like, yeah, no, we need to have these specific analytics libraries because that's what we have for our other platforms. And no, you I think need that 16 different <laughs> analytics libraries, Marlon. Yep. At yeah. least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, that sharp yeah. breath in said it all. <laughs> but I, I believe that developers in those companies can get their voice heard and convince the rest of the corporate structure that you don't need 16 analytics mm-hmm. libraries. So uh-huh. yeah. mm-hmm. I believe in you guys. Just fight for your <laughs> for the cause, okay? Sanity. Yeah. So between... Yeah. A an ethical analytics package and whatever happens with BuddyBuild this year, I'm looking forward to giving Apple another fifty dollars a month for developer tools. <laughs> fifty dollar? Wow, you modest. Yeah, it's like why are you paying for half a service? <laughs> I, I make apps that are used by like a thousand people. It's it's not going to be a lot. Yeah. Work on the other hand, well, no. Yeah. yeah. I, I I wonder what. <laughs> Speaking of that, I'm 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 quite interested to see how many of those services will be. Part of your you're paying your hundred dollars per year Apple developer thing, and how many things will be uh, on top of that? Yeah, yeah I think just just a wild guess. I think Apple Developer Plus will be the name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I I really I think I mentioned this before. I don't think Apple will see like Apple when they do a subscription service, they they go for a mass market thing, like news, mm-hmm. music. They're mass market things, TV, games. Like I don't think that they want to nickel and dime developers. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that makes sense. I would be very surprised if they came out with analytics that were paid for or yeah, you know they too. might have something like um like CloudKit, right, where you have a very reasonable free limit and then it's like only if you're the largest of large companies and your analytics are more than I don't know 10 or a billion events a month or something like that, then you need to pay us a little bit of money. Um, and I, I think that would probably be the same. This is just like pure guess. I have no information, but like something like Buddy Build or whatever Buddy Build becomes would be probably similar. I don't see CI, if they keep CI in its current form, I don't see that being free. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There, there will probably be free plans for, for yeah. small indie developers and things like that. But I think if you're a large company, they're, they'll probably charge i mean maybe you it could make sense i mean it's go still below market rates and yeah. and subsidize it somehow but the other but thing it's still is that a big if, server costs like in yeah, comparison to yeah. analytics it's it's a lot more to provide to to yes. a developer so because mm. you're providing sense. hardware essentially that's yeah yeah running yeah. stuff so yeah i don't know i can't imagine that their all the plans will be free just because it's expensive to mm. run yeah 
and even if uh, I mean it just makes sense right if you have a team the size of and uh, I, I mean anything when you have like hundreds of people working on something you would basically utilize uh, those machines for your entire work day almost almost 100% right yeah, yeah. would be very expensive for Apple to 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 basically put hardware somewhere for people like for big companies to use for free for eight hours a day will be a good year we're expecting everything anyway so this brings us to the things we like list um and for me this week it will be hopper the oh, hopper. oh nice. that makes sense Yep. I'm um, surprised we haven't picked that before. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, especially this yeah. week, uh, and actually over the last few weeks, it's been quite relevant because what you can do with Hopper is it allows you to uh, enter a uh, basically a, a departure and an arrival airport or city and a date when you want to fly. And Hopper then keeps track of, of uh, that trip and just sends you push notifications when the prices are going up and down and kind of does things like uh, predicting whether it's more likely the prices will will keep dropping or whether they will start uh, uh, rising soon and those kind of things. And considering that all of us uh, will most likely take a plane to San Jose this summer, uh, I, I kind of kept track of all of our possible flights, both the ones for Mal and me, as well as the ones for Zach, uh, just to keep an eye on, eye out for for kind of price changes for those trips. And I think that's just the way the way I work in those situations is often that I spend way more time than reasonable uh, looking for for decent deals on flights. Oh, or, me too. Or... Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> and it's it, Hopper just kind of helps me a lot with that of just adding the flight in there and then just not having to worry about it for a while until i mean it doesn't do a multi multi-city trip so for zach's particular trip it wasn't as ideal but now for our, for our trip flying from uh vancouver to uh, san jose i put in the flight and i just wait for it to tell me when to book and i just find those kind of things where you where you enter what you want to do and it tells you when to do it. It just takes that kind of mental load of, of keeping keeping an eye out for that uh, off my plate. And I really appreciate it. And if you enter all your information, it makes it also relatively easy to then actually book the flights um, because it basically pre-fills all your information. And Would you use type of Hopper commission. to book flights though? It depends because they, they do have a commission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely do it for for cheaper flights. Like if it's I don't know from from Seattle to San Jose, like a flight in the two hundred dollar range for return. I mm-hmm. I feel like the service is worth it to pay uh, whatever they're charging. Uh, I wouldn't. I I didn't use it for a flight from Sydney to to uh, Vancouver. So yeah, I still okay. use their notification feature, but I don't yeah, remember yeah. what it is. It's a it's a couple of percent. But if you're paying like almost $2,000 for a flight that really adds up. Um, so in that case, uh, I, I'd rather go for for one of the other alternatives and book to book there. But for kind of smaller flights, I'm I'm happy enough with this service to to then spend the three, four, five dollars or whatever it is uh, to support port, so to support them for for the app there, the work they're developing. No, that makes sense. I I do think it's nice to be able to support them a bit because it's it's a really like it is a really useful app. I used it before as well, but I do understand what you mean with it being mm, not filling 
I don't know. Like if you buy, if you have a really expensive flight, it might not make sense mm-hmm. to book it through there. Also, I think often I, I sort of like to book flights on a desktop as well. So sometimes I just found it to be more convenient to find a flight afterwards and do it, do it myself. Mm. Uh, but it is really handy if you just want to do it in like a, uh, an app and one interface. It's really good. Yeah, I usually find with those kind of services, I do tend to set up alerts and then not book mm. through the service, which look, it's kind of, it's probably kind of cruel. But like, <laughs> if I'm talking about something like, uh, so I, I tend to use Webjet as well, which is really good for searching for multi-city flights. Unfortunately, it doesn't do alerts for multi-city flights. Uh, there are mm-hmm. some other apps and services that will, such as Skyscanner. But I don't know, for some reason, I've settled on Webjet as my go-to. Anyway, uh, once they throw on their, you know, 40 or $50 fee for an international flight, you really have to be purchasing when the tickets are on sale only through Webjet. Otherwise, if they're just echoing the price that's on the website of the airline and then slap an extra $50 on there, it's like, that's kind of hard to justify usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is usually because almost all of my, all the flights where I'm super price conscious are long flights. None of them are, are small, cheap flights. Like, yeah. if I'm doing a flight that's an hour, I'm usually not going to bother over a matter of the $30 that might go up and down in a few weeks type of thing. Um, mm. So, I just go straight to the the airline's website for those. I usually still do that because even those uh, prices fluctuate surprisingly much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so when I know that I have a, I have a like domestic flight upcoming in, in a few months, I still maybe put it in there. Um, but I feel like I always struggle with services where the commission is a percentage and prices can vary so drastically. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of gets us into the the app store model again, but in general, I mean, I didn't get like, if, if you, book a flight from Sydney to Vancouver with the app, I it costs you $60 to use Hopper or or similar, right? And domestic flight costs you, I don't know, $5? I feel like I'm not getting yeah, yeah. $55 more value out of the longer flight. It, it just doesn't, it feels like it doesn't scale. Yeah, because just you're because not the saving. product I'm buying is larger, I didn't get more value out yeah. of the service. Um, yeah, unless you sig- save a significant amount of money on it like if you always save the same percentage yeah but to me it's also like most people that use hopper would probably use it because they want to save money and then having such a big mm. fee is like mm, this kind of doesn't feel right yeah yeah no, um, I understand. they should have more different type of like pricing tiers i mean in general if they would just have i mean who am i to tell them what their business model should be but if it would be a fixed i don't know even if it's more than the domestic flight uh, fee like if it would mm-hmm. be nine dollars for all flights i probably play would use them exclusively to book yeah um but i also don't know what what they're kind of do they pay more for longer flights i don't know either way that's that's what i'm doing but the app is pretty decent too uh and uh push notifications for things that you otherwise watch manually is always a good mm. good thing mm-hmm. to have mm. Mm. cool so hopper yeah. It's a good app. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I really think good. you put me onto that about a year ago. So. <laughs> hmm. um, okay. I, I can go next. Um, I picked something very different this week, and you might also want to talk a bit more about this, Kai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a TV show, uh, which I've been enjoying a lot lately. Uh, it's called Kim's Convenience. And it's a really. Like. It's a really. Fun, like a really funny show. It's a comedy, uh, so it's really funny, but also 
has this like sweet touch to it. It's about a it's about a family, an immigrant family that came to Canada. Um, and I don't know, somehow, like, it just really showcases a lot of the nice things in Canada. And I found it to be, like, it's, it's it doesn't feel fake. It feels very natural. And um, even if it sort of focuses on this family that immigrated to Canada, there's so many, like, I think it's something that everyone can sort of attach themselves to. And no matter if you're, uh, like, still living with your parents, still living with your family, or if, you, if you've been immigrated into a country, or if you just have had any type of family drama or family, like, weirdness while growing up, I think there's so many things here that everyone can sort of relate to. Like, there's, it's just so much, like, good dynamic between the, between the family and between the different members. But, and another thing that I like is that, they are sort of having like two different shows in one show. So one part is the whole family comedy part, uh, where, where it's a family owning a convenience store, working really hard together. Um, and on the other hand, one of the sons of the family is working at a car, uh, car, sh- car shop. No, a car rental shop. And it's this like office environment. So if you like something like the, the American The Office, it's very similar type of humor because it's this like slight awkward office humor. And I think that's a really good combination that you get this warmth of the family, but also the awkwardness of the office environment. And it's, yeah, it's a really good, sh- good show. Did I describe this okay, Kai? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? It is. I mean, it is a sitcom. Um, it's definitely not the same level of depth that you would get out of something like uh, The Good Place. Mm, no. Um, but it's very lighthearted, enjoyable uh i mean it is it is very much a canadian tv show like if you would imagine <laughs> yeah it's it's such a nice friendly show but i think you need a bit more of that i think sometimes kai and i watch shows that are comedies but they're quite dark like um yeah i don't want to get too much into different shows but like certain com nowadays it feels like many comedy shows aren't actually directly comedy like the good place it's a fu- it's supposed to be a comedy but they're actually touching on a lot of dark topics whereas kim's convenience is just really sweet in some way yeah and it's just if if you only know the stereotypical things about canada uh <laughs> it and you would imagine what a tv show like this might uh, be like it. It is probably you're probably getting pretty close. But just they have gotten uh, like it, so- it sounds a little bit boring now when we explain it. But I do think they have gotten so many awards because they are really good at sort of symbolizing this uh, Canadian not Canadian dream, but like how it is to be in Canada and how it is to immigrate to a ca- to a country in general and how it is to like live live with a family and work together with family members. I but think. also how it is to that like everyone is kind of still the same like yeah every, every family has their own weird quirks and and traditions and it's like no matter no matter where you're from every family has that and they always have those kind of dynamics and it's it's a good showcase of uh i mean canada is a super multicultural place and that is being heavily embraced and it feels like a a show that is around that and it's making it very enjoyable to watch yeah anyway it's harder hard to describe it's a lot easier to watch yeah i mean i think you you should just uh if anyone's interested in what, uh, getting some more comedy in their life they should just watch the first episode or like uh, i think the first one is really good already but i feel like the actors are sort of settling in and the 
in the roles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from the third episode, it's really good, and the jokes are feeling very natural, and everything is really picking up. The sort of dynamic between the actors is really good then. So I think, yeah, you should really, really, really give it a try. And Netflix it's just bought Netflix. international yeah. rights, so yeah. everywhere outside of Canada. No, even in Canada, the first two seasons are available on Netflix. But it's a CBC show, so the third season is on CBC Gem. Mm. Mm. But in general, Canadian Canadian TV shows are like we we watched uh, Amazing Race Canada. <laughs> it almost feels like a. Oh, it's so. It, it. I really don't like reality shows, but something like Amazing Race is something that we sort of like in general as a concept because people are actually really working hard to like win money uh, and to race around the world like it's it's a really really good it's show it's a skill based show not a drama based show yeah yeah you don't have to be like the biggest personality you just have to do well and be able to complete tasks so I really like that and the Canadian one is just so nice <laughs> it's like uh, sometimes the um, the contenders are running around and sometimes they stop running because they're holding up the door for a cameraman <laughs> Uh it's it's very fun to watch, but it's also yeah. It's I don't know. Canadian TV shows are really good in general, but they have they're not always fun or like always like very Canadian. It's things like I mean, there's so many things that are filmed here and so many things that are produced in Canada. So Orphan Black is really good. Orphan too. Black is really good, which is a darker, very dark show. Uh, but yeah, I want to pick Kim's Convenience this time, uh, even though there are a lot of other good ones. Mm. Cool, approved. Mm. <laughs> Um, so Zach, you haven't written anything in the list. So, oh yeah, I haven't filled it in. Um, it's actually funny when Kai mentioned Hopper um, mm-hmm. because I also had a plain one this week, but um, it's it's oh. slightly different. It's not about because I've been I've been I booked flights for WWDC. I should probably say that. So keeping an eye on them uh, during the week and using Hopper and all the great apps. But my pick is Seat Guru which is mm. a service very useful when you're booking particularly long-haul flights. <laughs> um, you won't have this problem if you fly short-haul flights or if you fly business class, but if you or fly if you're a tiny economy, person. Or if, if yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's less of an issue. Um, so, <laughs> SeatGuru is a great website slash iOS app. It has, an, it has a pretty nice iOS app that is equally as useful as the as the website, but I'm not specifically picking one or the other. I'm just picking the service in general. It allows you to uh, get a seat map of a, of a flight you might be taking ahead of time. Um, you can put in details by either looking at the route for the particular day and then it allows you to select the flight. Or if you know the flight number and the date you're, you're taking that flight, you can put those details in. It will find the plane that you're going to be flying on um, and it knows the layout of that. And then it has essentially a mini review of every seat on the plane now it's not like a detailed review but it just it's really good for pointing out seats that you might prefer or that you might want to avoid and mm-hmm. often oftentimes it's you know usually this the rows are just behind and just in front of the toilets or the gallery are uh, uh, they say they they warn you about and say that um it's People don't particularly like it. It can be a bit noisier. There's a lot of people constantly walking past. But then they're and then they're fairly obvious. But then there's some other ones where it's like, oh, this one particular seat has reduced legroom that you wouldn't realize just looking at the map on the the website for the airline you're booking with. Or mm-hmm. this particular seat has slightly more legroom, and you might want to consider booking that. And I've found Seat Guru pretty handy when booking 
uh, long haul flights because as a tall person, I definitely prefer an aisle seat and I definitely don't want to end up with a seat that has reduced leg room because mm-hmm. otherwise I'll just be sprawled out into the aisle and then constantly being bumped. Um, so mm-hmm. it is pretty handy just to just to keep an eye on that before I'm selecting seats because I, I will always select seats before a, a long flight. Um, some some airlines, Qantas, require you to pay a little bit more for that luxury, but that's okay. <laughs> it needs to be done. And obviously, if I'm paying to select a seat ahead of time, I want to make sure that it's at least not a bad seat. Um, mm. Often the the good seats with a lot of extra legroom you need to pay for, and that's fine. But mm. yeah, as long as I am avoiding those particularly bad seats, like some of them have things under their seat where you can't put your legs there and things like that. It's really good to know. And yeah, that's a service that I've used a few times. But even now. just for, for, for planning what, what you will do, like certain routes, you're pretty certain that they have AC power and those kind of things. But sometimes you might go mm-hmm. on regional planes or whatever, and you don't really know what their setup is like. So you, you can also see information, whether they have power, whether there will be TVs, uh, sometimes even mm-hmm. what type of power is uh, there. So even even if you if you already have your seat, it's sometimes useful to see. All right, what what do I actually get on this seat? Like, how should yep. I pack? Should I have? Do I even have to bother to bring like electronics that need power, uh, or or should I make sure I charge at at the airport before I board the plane? So I even use it for that sometimes, just to see, uh, to kind of plan my 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 entire trip, not just around the seat. See, we have all those things this week. If people want to book flight for WWDC, they can use those <laughs> two apps. And if they want to watch something while traveling, they can mm. watch Kim's Convenient. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's like the yeah. perfect trifecta. 